0: Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Oh, well, hey there, and welcome to Blue Ridge Church. Happy New Year to every one of you. Thanks so much for being here with us today. For those of you streaming online, we're glad that you've joined us At the very beginning of a new year, right? Super exciting time. A lot of us, we start new things, right? We make resolutions. We try to kind of treat the beginning of the year as a restart, even though it's not really a restart. But we take these opportunities, right, to maybe create some new habits and do some new things in our lives, get rid of some old things, maybe old ways of doing things. And and so we thought, what better time than the beginning of a year to kick off this brand new series called Past Tense, And if you can't tell from the title, we're going to be talking about our past, Uh, but we're going to be talking about how so many of us, we live in our past, right? We live in the decisions we've made, we kind of are occupied, our brains are occupied by the things that have happened to us or the things we've done, or maybe the things that have been chasing us around, and we would call them baggage in our lives or things that we'd call scars that, that seem like they're part of who we are. And so over the next couple of weeks, what we're going to talk about is how do we get out of our past? How do we stop living in our past and not seeing our past as the identity of who we are? And how do we live in the present to where God wants us to live? So to do that, uh, the first week we're going to kick off this morning is we're going to talk about getting out of the past when it comes to guilt and shame in our lives. Aren't you glad you showed up this morning, <laughs> right? Right now, and listen, I promise you I'm not gonna spend the next 30 minutes making you feel guilty, not making you feel ashamed of, of doing things wrong or not following the Bible or not being the person you're supposed to be. I promise that's not what we're gonna do. As a matter of fact, that's part of the DNA of our church to not be a type of church like that. And the reason is, is we, we've seen how guilt can ruin people's lives, especially in church, right? Churches are no strangers to making people feel guilty and ashamed of the things that they've done or the past that they come from, right? Like when I first went to, my first church I ever went to as a Christian, it was a church where one of the pastors was this type of person who, he would make you feel absolutely terrible if you weren't living in line with exactly what the Bible said. And oftentimes, it wasn't even just what the Bible said, it was more so what he said. And if we didn't do what he said and live the way he told us to live, then He made us feel guilty and made us feel ashamed of our lifestyle. And and so maybe some of you have had similar experiences. You know, a lot of people that I've talked to, you've grown up in churches that, you know, was very strict, uh, things you could and could not do, right? Like you couldn't drink alcohol, Uh, you weren't not you weren't allowed to listen to, to music that wasn't Christian worship music. And if you did, there was something wrong with you, right? Uh, movies, right? You couldn't watch rated R movies as a Christian. That's kind of what they said. But they'd make an exception for the Passion of Christ, right? Because it was about Jesus, even though it was still rated R, right? But there's all these different rules. And there's these things you can do and can't do. And, and if you go through a divorce, then you're kind of ostracized. And if you decide to live a certain way, then you can't be a part of the church. You can't do this, can't do that. And it's been this, this kind of mess. For lack of a better way of saying it, that the church has experienced, and, and a lot of you have been the victims of that type of church where you have just felt guilty and ashamed for not being able to live up to the person that not only you want to live up to the standard of, but of who God wants you to be. And it's maybe the reason why you walked away from the church at one point in your lives. Maybe this is one of your first times back at church because you've been hurt by the church because they've made you feel guilty and terrible. About being who you are, and it just didn't produce anything that you read about in the Bible of all this joy and fulfillment and satisfaction. Instead, it left you with scars and regrets and shame. And so we're going to talk about that this morning and how to live in the present and get out of our past and get rid of the, the burdens in our lives that most of us, if not all of us, carry around in our lives. Now, it wouldn't be fair for me to say that the Bible uh, says all guilt is bad guilt and certain things that we feel guilty about shouldn't ever be there and we should always just feel free to do whatever we want to do because that's not true, right? There's certain things in the Bible that talk about guilt that are very beneficial for us and there's ways that we can use guilt as somewhat of a tool to help us grow in our faith. As a matter of fact, this is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verses 8 through 10. Now, a context to this is this is 2 Corinthians, which means this is the second letter that Paul has written to this church at Corinth, okay? So the first letter, we're going to talk about that in a second, but this is the second letter that he's writing to this church, and here's what he says. He says, I'm not sorry that I sent that severe letter to you, though I was sorry at first, for I know it was painful to you for a little while. So the first letter that Paul writes was a letter of correction, Okay, So he sees this church at Corinth, and they've got a lot of things they're struggling with. They've got a lot of sexual sin, relational sin. Uh, They've just got a lot of problems in the church. And so Paul writes the letter of 1 Corinthians to this church. And you can go ahead and read that at some point. There's a lot of things in there that are really good. But he corrects them, and he lays out a lot of things that they're doing that they shouldn't be doing. And, And he says he feels sort of bad about it. Right When he wrote that letter, he's like, Kind of felt sorry at first because it made you guys feel so bad. It says, "Now I'm glad I sent it, because not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have, so you were not harmed by us in any way. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow but worldly sorrow which lacks repentance results in spiritual death. So we've got these two different ways that Paul says we can see the pers- have a perspective of guilt. In one way guilt can be used as a tool. Right, you do something wrong, maybe you sin or you do something you know you shouldn't do and We can use guilt as a way to bring us to repentance, like the, I did something wrong, I know it was wrong, and now I want to be better and make a change in my life. And that's what Paul says happened. He says, I wrote this letter to to these people, and at first they felt bad. They felt guilty. And he's like, I felt guilty because I wrote that to them. But he said, once I heard back from the church, though, that that letter helped change the people and turn them away from sin and turn them towards God, he said, it wasn't as bad as I thought. And he calls it godly sorrow, or we could say godly guilt. That's another way of saying sorrow in this this context. But then what Paul does is he introduces us to a different side of guilt. And he says that there's a different type of guilt that when it goes undealt with, and you just kind of leave it in your past, maybe that's a behavior thing, or maybe that's a decision you made, or maybe that's even something that happened to you that makes you feel guilty and ashamed. He says there's a type of guilt that when we leave it in the past, undealt with, right, we don't process it, we don't work through that that guilt in our lives, that it turns into something that can destroy our lives, and the Bible calls that shame. Now, if you want to take notes this morning, you can go ahead and open up the Church Center app or fill it in on the QR code here, but learning number one, really important for us to understand about guilt, is this, that any time we neglect dealing with our guilt, it follows us around and evolves into shame. That when we experience something that causes guilt in our lives, if it doesn't produce repentance, it doesn't produce a a thing where we turn turn our lives around and and point away from sin and and turn towards God, and we just kind of leave it there and don't deal with it, that it lingers and it stays there and it doesn't go away. And over time, what happens is that guilt turns into shame. Now, we've talked about the difference between guilt and shame up here, and and I'm going to try to do my best to differentiate that for you this morning, but I'll use them interchangeably, those words, guilt and shame. But guilt is a little bit different than shame. Guilt is when you feel bad for something you did, right? It's more of a, I did something bad, okay? But shame is when you count it as an identity of who you are. So it's not just, I did something bad, it's, I am bad. Right? It's not just that I made a mistake or did something I shouldn't do, now it turns into shame and it becomes a part of who we are that is tied to us and almost like a stamp onto our lives that becomes the identity of who we go out in the world to be, that we're carrying this around as a burden. It's something I did. It's something that happened. It's something that's always going to be a part of me and it's a scar in my life that will follow me around to the end of my life. And that's the type of sorrow, that's the type of guilt that God says leads to nothing but, what does he say, spiritual death. He says it destroys us. That guilt turns into shame and it absolutely destroys us. He's saying a lot of times we experience guilt, and it's true for all of us, right? We feel guilty about a lot of things But if we're not careful, that guilt will turn into shame. So many of us, we feel guilty for, you know, if you've got parents that are aging, sometimes we feel guilty for not calling them as much as we probably should, right? And so we feel guilty about it, but it turns into shame when we consider ourselves terrible children because of the lack of communication, right? You see the identity shift. It's uh, I did something that I feel bad about, but we let it linger, and now it's turned into an identity thing of now I'm just a bad person. I'm a bad kid. I'm a bad child to my parents, uh, you can look at anything, like New Year's resolutions. That's a great example. We feel guilty when we fall short of our New Year's resolutions. Most of us, what is the status like? It takes three days for us to, to break our resolutions that we made yesterday. And, and we feel bad about it, right? We feel guilty about it. But when that happens every year, that starts to wear and tear on our lives, right? We're just, we start considering ourselves as failures, And it's not just because we couldn't do the New Year's resolution. It's because in February, in March, we go fast forward to the summer, to the winter. We try to do all these different things and start these new habits, and we fall short of those things. And so it goes from, I did something that, or I failed at something, to I'm a failure. Right? You kind of see how that works, see how the process is, that things that start off as guilt, if we leave them undealt with and we don't process them and do with them the way God teaches us, and we're going to talk about that in a second, that it will easily turn into shame. And that shame will destroy who we are. That shame will keep us from living in the present of who God wants us to be, and it'll keep us living in the past of the things that we've done or the, the mistakes that we've made or the burdens that we carry that follow us all throughout our lives. It says shame gets burned into our conscience. Romans chapter 2, verse 15, Paul says, that they, talking about people who believe in God and also people who don't believe in God, it says both of them, they demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them that they're doing right. In other words, Paul's saying each one of us, our our brains, our hearts are wired. Even if we don't have a relationship with God, our, our lives are wired enough to know what's right and what's wrong. Right? like We know when we do something that's good and we feel awesome and we feel fulfilled and we feel that joy, we feel that satisfaction of doing what, what is right, what is good. Sometimes that's what God calls us to do and, and it feels good. But on the other side of that, we also feel when we do something we shouldn't, that it's sort of imprinted on who we are, where we, we might not know that it's something sinful or something that God tells us not to do, but we know like, there's decisions we make, there's things that we do, whether that's at work or relationally, or it's places we let our minds or eyes wander where we know it's not the right thing to do. But again, it's when we don't deal with that guilt and don't deal with that feeling and that experience that it turns into something much bigger and much deeper. And so, we want to talk about this morning, we're going to talk about how to deal with that shame and what we're supposed to do as people trying to figure out what it means to follow Christ, how we handle the shame and guilt. In our lives, But before we do that, I think it's really important for us to talk about why we experience such a heavy weight of guilt in our lives. And it's learning number two. It's because we invite guilt and shame into our lives when we put our self-worth on the line. When I say self-worth, um, I mean the fact that each one of us, myself included, we all some way, shape, or form, we decide how worthy we think we are or how worth it, or how valuable we think we are as human beings. So when you're younger, you think you're amazing, right? Every one of us, we think we're awesome. You know, not all of us, but many people, they think they're great, they think they're perfect, they think they're kind of the superman, superwoman when they're younger. As they get older, as we age, we start to experience life. It beats us up a little bit more each and every single day. We, we see and look back on our lives and we can see, wow, I messed up here, messed up there. This didn't work out, that didn't work out. And oftentimes that follows us around and makes us feel unworthy, right? It's the self-worth we place on ourselves. And when it comes to guilt and shame, one of the biggest problems we have in our lives is we attach our self-worth to our past, right? You've heard it before that we are a uh, a sum of the decisions we make in our lives, right? That's sort of like the self-help way of saying it is that, you know, you are right now the person you are because of the decisions you've made in your past, right? And so your self-worth is tied to your past, But what happens when your past is messy? What happens when your past is full of junk and full of mistakes and full of things like regrets and shame? Then the identity you carry around is that you think you're worth nothing. Or maybe at the very least, you're worth very little in life. See, one of the biggest problems with shame is that we attach our self-worth to it. And I wrote this down this week, that that shame is anything that makes us feel unworthy or that we can't belong. That for some reason, for something we did or something that happened to us that we just don't belong in a group maybe anymore, or we just disqualify ourselves from belonging or, or being loved by other people. And it's all over. It doesn't have to be just because of bad decisions we've made. Shame can be anything that makes us feel unworthy. Shame is is having to tell your, your best friends in the people you're closest to who thought you had your life together that you're getting a divorce. Right? Shame is having to tell your spouse that you're getting laid off. Shame is having to tell your coworkers you need a ride to work because you made a mistake and got a DUI, right? Like, shame is anything that makes us feel unloved, anything that makes us feel unworthy, anything that takes away from the value that we should have in our lives. And the reason why we struggle with this so much is because we attach our self-worth to the, the choices that we make in our lives. But as a Christian, the Bible teaches us that we're called to live a much different life than that. That our identity is not in our past, in what we've done The value of our lives isn't a sum of the decisions we made in our past, but the value that we have in our lives are a result of who God is and what he did for us through the person of Jesus Christ. That that we can look at our lives through the lens that God looks at when he sees us, that he loves us so much and puts such a value on our lives that he was willing to give up his only son and send his son to this world to die for our sins. That he considered us valuable and, and as valuable enough to give up his own child to take our place. And so as a result, if we have a relationship with God, when God sees us, he doesn't see our past. He doesn't see what we've done, the mistakes we've made, the things that have happened to us. God sees his son, Jesus. It's part of that exchange that happens when Jesus died on the cross and we put our faith in him, that Jesus takes the place for us in that sin, in that weight, and in that burden. And that burden was crucified to Jesus on the cross almost 2,000 years ago. It's one of the most basic foundations of being a Christian. Probably not the first time you ever heard that. But it's hard for us to process that and understand that, especially in the world we live in today, where we filter our lives through the lens of what other people think about us. Right? Isn't that true? Isn't that so hard to live our lives sometimes because we're so constantly obsessed with what other people think about us? And isn't that part of why shame is so difficult to deal with is because we hide who we are because we're afraid of other people seeing who we really are, right? That's part of the problem with guilt is, is, is that, is that we, keep, we keep it hidden. We keep it in the past and that's not who God calls us to be. Here's what it says in Romans chapter 8 verse 1. It says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. That phrase belong to is so important. It's so important for us to understand because in this context that it was written in to the Romans, it, it's about family. It's about who, whose family you are, which was debatably what gave you value in your life. If you were born into a wealthy family or a political family, then you had a lot of value. If not, then you probably didn't. But What Paul's saying here is that you be, if you have a relationship with Christ, you belong to God. You are part of the family of God. And so your past, again, is not a compilation of what you have done and what you haven't done in your past, but it's who Jesus is and what he's done for you on the cross. It's hard to come to this realization. It's hard to believe this. It's hard to live this out as we go throughout our lives because we are so tempted to and so inclined to attach our self-worth to our past. And, And really, it just is this endless, dangerous cycle that we go through. Because like I said, we, we hide it. We don't share it with other people. We don't process it. We see it as something that is gonna be a part of us forever in our lives. And so we carry that weight wherever we go. And so it just never goes away. And it becomes something that, again, turns into shame and almost becomes a secret in our lives because one, we think we're the only ones who deal with it. We believe that we're the only ones who struggle with whatever that is. We're the only ones who are carrying that burden and, and we've missed the mark, and we've considered ourselves unworthy and, and disqualified ourselves from belonging. I think it's not until we realize that every single person in this room, every single person in this world, deals with the exact same type of shame and guilt as each other. You might not experience it for the same reasons as I do, and I might not have the same shame that you have, but we all carry that same burden around with us everywhere we go until we deal with it the way that God's called us to deal with it. I read this quote this week and I thought it was funny but also true. And it says this, the only people who don't experience shame lack the capacity for empathy and human connection. So here's your choice. Admit to experiencing shame or admit that you're a sociopath. Pretty good, right? (laughs) But it's real, right? Like, every one of us experiences shame. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for as long as you can remember. It doesn't matter if you don't even believe God exists. We all deal and experience with shame and guilt in our lives. And anyone who doesn't think they have guilt and have shame in their lives probably isn't aware at how impactful their decisions or their words or their actions have made a difference in other people's lives. Maybe you don't understand the weight of how important it is that you say what you, you mean what you say and do what you say you're going to do. See, we all deal with shame, we all deal with guilt, and we all deal with this weight and this burden that we carry around thinking that we're the only ones that that deal with it and that it's just part of who we are forever. But here's what learning number three says, and it's so important for each one of us to understand. It's that part of dealing with shame is coming to the realization that everyone deals with shame. Everyone. Every single person deals with shame Each one of us right now are carrying something that we're embarrassed about. Maybe that is a decision we made. Maybe that is something that we struggle with. Maybe that's something we did or we said to someone else. Maybe that's something within the context of a relationship. Maybe that's with your ethical decisions you've made at work or in your career or an addiction. All of us carry the weight of guilt and the weight of shame. I think it's important to understand this because the power of guilt is, is the, the belief that you're the only one in the room struggling with something, that no one else in the room struggles with their marriage, that no one else in the room struggles with money the way you do, that no one else feels like they're a guilty parent for not being able to spend enough time with their kids that you're the only one around that deals with certain problems and that's the power of guilt that it has over our lives is it makes us feel like we're the only ones who can't live up to the mark and everyone around us is just this squeaky clean, maybe they dealt with it a long time ago but they've got their lives together and things are good. But that's just simply not true. That's not how life works. That's not how things go. Each one of us deal with and struggle with guilt. And the the reason why we think we're the only ones is because we hide it right? We don't want anyone figuring it out. Right? Like, no one wants everyone else around them to know that they've got relationship issues. No one else around you, you don't want anyone else to know that you struggle with how you handle your money or what your balance in your bank account is. Like, we, 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 don't, we, we think we're the only ones because we don't talk about it. And listen, I'm not saying you should just go, you know, shout it from the rooftops all the problems that you've got in your lives. But that's why we put such a huge emphasis on groups at Blue Ridge, isn't because we want you to join a group, and, and if you join a group, you're just going to grow in your faith so much and know so much about the Bible and so much about God, which, which can happen and sometimes does happen. But the main reason why we want you to get plugged into a group at Blue Ridge is because hopefully, if you get plugged into a group, you find other people who are in the same stage of life you're in. And most likely, if they're in the same stage of life you are, they've got the same demons you have. They're struggling in the same ways that you're struggling, they've got shame and guilt that's following them around the same way it's following you around. But when we believe we're the only ones who struggle with something, our natural tendency is to hide it from anyone and everyone. I mean, think back to even Adam and Eve, right? The very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, talks about Adam and Eve when they sinned against God. What was the first thing that they did when they sinned? They felt shame. Here's what it says in chapter 3, verse 7. At that moment, When they sinned, at that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. They tried to hide. They tried to hide the guilt. They tried to hide the shame and cover it up in a way that they'd never experienced before. And as I was reading through and thinking about this story yesterday driving in the car, I thought how weird it is that they didn't know they were naked. You can laugh. That's weird, right? Like, it's okay. (laughs) Like... Like, isn't that weird? Like, how do you not know you're naked? Like, Eve, I understand, right? She was all about, like, probably Adam's personality, like, you know, eye contact up here. Like, she wasn't doing anything bad. But Adam, I mean, like, there is no way he didn't know he was naked, okay? <laughs> right? Or at least there's no way he didn't know Eve was naked, right? He knew. No, but I thought about how weird it is that, that the first thing they did when they sinned against God was they realized they were naked, now, earmuffs your kids if they're in the service, okay, just for a minute. But the most vulnerable spot we can be in as human beings is, is being naked in front of someone else, right? Not to be awkward. It's going to be awkward. But, but isn't that sort of, like, embarrassing? There's, like, that, that shame, that guilt, and, and that, that, that weirdness to it, right? And the reason is, is because when, when you're in that position, that other person can see everything about you. That person can see your flaws, that person can see your failures. They can see your scars. They can see your insecurities. They can see everything about who you are. And our natural tendency of hu- as human beings is to hide that, right? To cover it up, to, to wear clothes or to wear makeup or to come up with this fake story of who we are in our lives, even though that's not who we actually are. Why? Because we're so ashamed of our past and other people finding out about who we are that we naturally cover up every part about who we are. But it's not until we realize that every other person around us struggles in almost identical ways that we struggle with before it gives us permission to deal with that shame and guilt of our own. I mean, think about it like this. Um, you know, I, I, here's one of my favorites. This is like a confession to you guys. I, when I'm at Target or Walmart or some store, whether I'm alone or with my kids, one of my favorite things to do is to see other kids have meltdowns. Like, that was just like a weird confession to make, right? But, like, think about it. Like, when when I see other kids, especially when my kids are being, like, really well-behaved, right? Um, I'm just like, that's awesome. That is great to know that other people struggle with that too, right? Because think about it. When you are in that position, especially if you're a young parent, um, and your kid just loses it at the store, like, isn't that embarrassing? Aren't you just like oh God, everyone's looking, right? They, they're all looking at me. And it's a guilty feeling, right? Like, oh man, like they probably think I'm a terrible parent. They probably think I, you know, can't handle my kids. But then it starts turning into shame, right? It's like, it's, it's oh man, they probably think I'm just, uh, you know, I'm over my head with these kids. They're probably wondering why I had so many kids if I can't control them. They're probably, you know, you know, judging my discipline ways or ways I treat my kids or the ways I talk to them or way, ways I let them talk to me. Right? And and it's embarrassing. It is shameful. It's one of those times in life where we're just like, oh dear God, I just want to be gone. Right? But when we see other people struggle the same way we struggle, isn't there sort of a relief? Like a, okay, I'm not the only one. I think one of the easiest ways for us to get over the guilt and shame in our lives is realizing that we are not the only ones. We're not the only ones struggling. We're not the only ones battling. We're not the only ones with addictions. We're not the only ones who can't do things right in life. We're not the only unlucky people around. It's a universal problem. And so that's why over and over and over in the New Testament, you see Jesus, you see these apostles talking about how there's no difference between you because of the, the way you grew up or your socioeconomic scale or the color of your sin or, or the family you were born into. Here's what it says in places like this in Genesis or Galatians chapter 3, verses uh, 28. He says, there's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. I think this is one of the reasons why Jesus came down so hard on the religious leaders in that culture, is because they were pretending like they weren't struggling and dealing with the same problems the people of, of the culture were, the normal people, the people like us. Right? Maybe they, because they didn't wear it on their sleeves that they struggled financially, or they couldn't take showers, or couldn't clean themselves, or couldn't uh, find success in their careers, or whatever that might be. They felt like they had an upper hand on these people, and they were better than these people, but when Jesus comes onto the scene, he's got the heart of God and the eyes of God to know that these people are exactly like everyone else. But instead, they've, they've been hiding it from everyone else, making it seem like they've got some great, perfect life. And so that's why Jesus comes down so hard on these people, because when we live like that, it, it makes us feel like we've gotten past the places where we really haven't. I read this study this week in 2019. It was done by the University of Houston, and they interviewed, I believe it was like 22 or 23,000 different people over the course of a couple of months, and they asked them questions about their lives and the things they struggled with. It didn't really have anything to do with religion or faith, but here's what they found out, some of the things they found out. was out of the 22,000 people, out of all the women they surveyed, 94% of all of the women said that they felt overwhelmingly insecure about their appearance and their body image. 88% of all the men surveyed said they had some sort of unspoken addiction that they they struggle with. And that goes beyond just substance abuse. It's not just drugs or alcohol, but something that they just can't get past. And no matter how hard they try, no matter what they do, they just always come back to struggling the same way. Out of all the adults, almost 85% of them said that they were embarrassed by their lack of financial comprehension. And so they, they identified that as by budgeting, the being able to budget your money, save money, uh, preparedness for retirement. 85% said they were embarrassed about where they were. And then when it came to marriage, it says seven out of every 10 couples believed that they were between one and three fights before they considered separation or divorce. Like these are not small numbers. Like, these are, like, this isn't, like, a, in a room this size, there's probably a couple people who are also struggling. This is, like, in a room this size, there's only probably a couple people in this room who aren't struggling. Right? We are all in the same boat together. We are not, you are not alone in the things that you struggle with. I guarantee you, you'd be so surprised to find out the people that are sitting next to you, that serve with you, that worship with you, are struggling in the exact same ways that you are. Most of the time, it's just because we're better at hiding it. Right? We're better at pretending that we don't struggle in that same way. But part of getting beyond guilt and part of getting beyond the shame we deal with is realizing that all of us struggle with our past. All of us struggle with our shame. All of us struggle with the guilt that we feel, the burden that we carry all throughout life. And so what do we do about this? What's the response that God has for us when we feel this in our lives? And it's learning number four. We cannot carry our guilt and shame throughout our lives, but we can give it to Christ. Our response as followers of Jesus is to give our guilt and give our shame, give our burdens to Christ. Now, Scott's gonna talk a lot more about this next week and dive in deeper of what this really looks like in a practical sense. Um, But for what we're talking about this morning, the guilt and shame we carry, the main thing, the first thing we need to do is to give it to God. Here's what it says in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. People who conceal their sin will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Part of growing in your faith, part of growing in Christ is learning how to take your past, give it to God, and then be done with it. Once it's in, into God's hands, we, we've got to be done with it. We've got to give it to him first, tell him, you know, apologize to God, confess that sin to God, and be absolutely done with it. The second thing we see in Scripture is that not only do we need to give it to God, but we also need to fix those problems that we have that are relationally, right, with other people. Here's what it says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. He says, So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Right, he's saying, you, you, sometimes guilt is very personal, Sometimes shame is just something we deal with. It has nothing to do with other people. But other times, it has a lot to do with other people. Maybe it's something we said to someone. Maybe it's something we did to someone. Maybe it's our kids. Maybe it's our spouse. Maybe it's coworkers. Maybe it's neighbors. Maybe it's someone who was affected by what you did, what you said, how you treated them. And the scripture teaches us to get beyond guilt, get beyond shame. You need to make things right with that person. And listen, forgiveness is not just a Band-Aid Forgiveness is like a surgical procedure that digs out the root of whatever's causing that pain. And that's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness will hurt. Sometimes when it's with other people, it takes a lot of courage and bravery to to approach that person and apologize and, and step out in faith with that person to seek forgiveness and make things right. But it's part of what we all need to do to get over that shame. So once we've given it to God, once we've asked God for forgiveness to forgive us of those things, once we've sought that out from other people, here's the third and final, probably the hardest thing to do is to forgive ourselves of our past. It's easy to ask God for forgiveness. Sometimes it can be easy to ask other people for forgiveness. It's an awkward conversation and requires, like I said, some bravery. But the hardest thing to do by far is to learn how to forgive yourself for the things that God has already forgiven you for See, for each one of us, we all have a story. We all have scars, whether they're visible or not. We all have a weight that we carry around, but when we bring it to the feet of Jesus, we need to understand that he takes that burden off of our shoulders and he puts it on himself. Here's what it says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, and we'll close with this. When we come into a relationship with Christ, this is what Jesus invites us to do. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. The promise we have is that Jesus will take the yoke and the, the burden and the weight of our guilt and the things we're ashamed of and the things we deal with in our past, and he will take them off of our shoulders and he will put them on himself. And in those moments, the Bible promises us rest. See, being stuck in your past is exactly where the enemy wants you to be. He wants you focusing on all the things you could have done better, all the things that you messed up on. He wants to remind you every single day that you could never be who you want to be because of the things you've done. And Jesus teaches each one of us that that's simply not true that if we bring our sin to God, we bring our burdens to him, he takes those and wipes them clean as far as the East meets the West. The hard part is convincing our brains that that's what God's done. The, The mental game behind that is the hardest part. But when we get there, God promises us rest. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is, um, this is one of those areas I feel like where a lot of us struggle with and, and maybe all of us struggle with. And God, I just pray right now for those here who have come to church this morning who are watching online or and are carrying an unbelievably heavy weight around with them everywhere they go. Maybe it's a divorce. Maybe it's some other sort of relational sin. Maybe it's some sort of sin that we were unfortunate to have made public in front of other people that has made us feel like we're disqualified from being loved or from belonging to the family that you say we can belong to. God, the weight of guilt and shame is more than any one of us can bear. No, No matter how close we are to you, no matter how much we read our Bibles, no matter how much we pray, our guilt and our shame is impossible to get rid of unless we do it the way that you call us to. And so God, help us to bring that to you. Help us to bring that to the feet of the cross and to to understand that our our worth as human beings isn't attached to what we've done, but it's attached to who you are and what you've done. And God, for those of us who are going through our lives thinking we're on our own and thinking we're by ourselves, Help us understand that people all around us are struggling in the same ways and we're not alone. Not only are we not alone because other people are with us, but we're not alone because you are with us. And so God, help us give those things to you. Help us make those relationships right in our lives and help us learn how to forgive ourselves and receive the rest that you promise. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, hey, thank you so much for being here in our new year, new series. Um, you know, we've got a lot of great things in store for this series over the next couple of weeks. So I wanna encourage you to come join us, bring a friend, watch online if you need to, but, but be a part of what God's doing at this church. Uh, if you need anything, fill out that connection card prayer request. If there's something that you know, is bothering you or something you wanna learn more about about the church, feel free to do that with a connection card. You can give through those black boxes or through the app as well. But I hope you have a great rest of your week. It's supposed to snow tonight, so have fun if it actually does. And I hope to see you next week. Thank you.